Hi, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you're here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Today is First Chapter Friday, which is when I read the first chapter of an indie book and let you know what I think of the book based on the first chapter. I will also include a purchase link in the show notes for you to support these amazing authors, as well as a link to my website, the picky bookworm blog.blogspot.com, where you can participate in discussion questions. Ready? Grab your tea and let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm podcast. Every Friday, I get to read a chapter from a new indie book or self-published book. Today is Everlong by R. Rada. You can find her on Amazon. I will be sure to link this book in the show notes for you guys so that you can support this amazing author. Without further ado, let's get into chapter one for first chapter Friday. She sits at the same bench in the same park every night. Mostly it rains, every now and then it snows, but the clear, cloudless nights are her favorite. She has made friends with the stars, has made a mother out of the moon, and she greets them all like the old friends they are. When ice begins to spiderweb over the earth, she looks forward to basking in Aries' warm gaze. In the spring, Leo winks and sends her budding flowers. Once, time was tracked by the length and frequency of their visits. Words like years or weeks have become foreign, and she does not understand them well enough to use them. She used to make notches on the wooden slats of her bench every time Cancer visited her summer sky. But while she slept, the bench was replaced, and she has since lost track. Now, instead of tracking the stars, she measures time in written pages. In a small room, perched at the top of an abandoned stone building, she keeps the decaying walls lined with the broken spines of adopted books. Most are stained, incomplete remnants, fished from the large dumpster behind the city's public library. Relics from a time when she wandered the network of streets and alleyways with no purpose other than to do something. A time before she found her bench, before she found a purpose hiding in the empty spaces of lined paper. The books offer her a glimpse of a world outside her own, but it is the stories she has mapped out in mismatched ink that gives her existence meaning. Her friends in the night sky come and go, the blank pages of notebooks fill and get stacked in neat piles on the dusty floor of her dwelling. Around her, things change. Buildings grow higher and trees fatten. Sometimes she thinks she recognizes a boy in the face of a man. The world evolves. Time touches everything. Everything but her. Her pale hands do not wrinkle and weather with age, and the ashen blonde hair teasing her shoulder blades never lengthens. When she looks down at herself, she is always greeted by the same sight. A pair of freckles balancing on a full hip, a faint X-shaped scar on the outside of a slim wrist, and a body that neither grows nor spoils. She is the pin holding the hands of a clock, 
watching the city move around her as she remains unchanged and constant. So she sits, the worn bench beneath her and the lamplight overhead illuminating her blank pages with artificial warmth. Every night, she waits for inspiration to find her. Sometimes she sees it in the face of the rare stranger. Other times it is found in an abandoned toy hiding in the shadow of the children's playground. Last night, she wrote for an empty Coke left at the foot of her bench. Tonight, she spies an empty pack of cigarettes, half buried at the base of an ancient pine tree. Its label has faded, but she can see that it once bore the proud Morley logo. Words flow from her ballpoint pen as she imagines the owner of said box. A man, she decides, a man with bleached blonde hair slicked back, blue eyes, and cheekbones that could cut glass. He is impulsive and crude, with a sneer that could either terrify or draw him in closer. He is all hard angles and rough edges, and he would have tossed that little scrap of cardboard over his shoulder without a second thought or a moment's regret. She lets herself become immersed in the story, intent on discovering why such a man of leather and whiskey would come to the park. Idly, she recognizes the sound of footsteps approaching, but she does not spare the intruder a glance. She has already found tonight's inspiration, and she will not abandon it, not until the story is told. In all 232 bound notebooks, she has always sat alone and mostly undisturbed. So even when the footsteps hesitate in front of her bench, her pen doesn't pause. You okay? His voice is deep, the words teetering on the edge of baffled concern and directed solely at her. She is not prepared to answer, so she doesn't. Pulling her eyes away from her half-filled page, she blinks at the stranger who interrupted her flow of ink. His skin is tan, bronzed by a sun she hasn't seen in ages, and she finds the dark curls peeking out from, from beneath his gray beanie to be distracting. When she doesn't respond, the crease in the young man's brow deepens. You uh, were here when I left for work, and that was hours ago. It's almost two in the morning. She fails to understand his point. Shaking his head, his expression softens. Is someone coming to pick you up? I could call an Uber or something for you. He looks around, his gaze lingering on a trio of men stumbling along the sidewalk that borders her park. From where she sits, she can hear their slurred laughter, but is unable to determine what it is they find so funny. This isn't such a great area. Not this late. She doesn't know what an Uber is. She understands his concern even less. I am fine, she says, because this is her bench. She comes here every night. The stranger doesn't look convinced. He shifts from one foot to the other, staring as if looking at her long enough will help him come to a decision. Right. Okay, yeah. Awkwardly, he raises a hand, mouth half-curling into a timid smile. Bye then, I guess. Goodbye, she echoes back, her tone more dismissive than his had been. She wants to finish her story. The empty lines are calling to be filled, and she knows time is only growing shorter. After hesitating, he walks away. She taps the pen against the page, trying to decide if the man with the Morley smokes would have come to the park for a brawl or for a girl. Maybe both, she thinks. 
she completes two sentences and half of a third before he comes back. Know what? On second thought, you mind if I sit with you? She isn't sure if she does or not, so for now, she only answers with a question. Why? He shrugs, but the way he does it feels like an excuse. I don't know. It's got to be lonely being out here, right? Lonely? She does not remember the last time she felt lonely. She thinks it must have been around the same time when the sharp, stabbing pain of hunger became something normal, something numb. I'm not. He shoves his hands into his jacket pockets, rocking back on his heels and casting distracted glances down the path he traveled from. There must be something in his pocket because she can hear his finger tapping anxiously against something solid. When his dark eyes find hers again, the smile he gives is tight as he nods toward the empty spot beside her. Can I? Down the curving pathway, one of the men gives a loud, jarring whoop into the night air. The trees and shrubbery block them from her sight, but she can hear the other two cackling even as they shush him. Her lips thin, irritated by the growing list of interruptions. Still, she finds herself agreeing to the stranger's request with a small nod. If she allows him to sit, she thinks, then perhaps he will at least do so quietly. Jerkily, he moves to sit on the opposite side of the bench, carefully keeping a respectable distance. By the time he is leaning into the wooden slats, the group of middle-aged men are rounding the bend. One of them gives her a long, considering look as he walks by. She meets his stare unflinchingly, curiously watching as it drops away after flicking to the stranger next to her. Their conversation continues in a lower, if not still irritatingly loud, volume. She is relieved when they disappear around the next corner, eager for the return of silence. Beside her, the stranger sighs. There is a strange combination of relief and exasperation in the soft sound, but she can, can't pinpoint a reason for either. There's a bunch of dive bars down the street, he says, reaching up and adjusting his beanie so it sits more fully over his ears. So, like I said, this really isn't a good place to be. Not this late, anyway. He says it as if such a thing matters. There is an insinuation buried beneath his words, a suggestion to find somewhere better, but that is impossible. This is my bench, she tells him, so he will know, so he will understand. He blinks. Oh. Something shifts. The casual set of his shoulders is suddenly tense, and his eyes seem to be trying to read her the way she does her books, studying her. Okay, well... What do you do at, uh, your bench? She squirms, annoyed by his questions. She wonders why he hasn't left yet. I tell stories, she says. Her right hand itches, and she rolls the pen between her fingers to help soothe her restless nerves. The stranger frowns, glancing around the empty park skeptically. To who? The way he says it makes an unfamiliar emotion stir in her chest. It's hot and makes her body stiffen. Just because they aren't shared doesn't mean they don't exist. The point of her pen indents the paper, but her voice remains the same neutral drawl. She is constant, unchanging, even if this boy tries to make her be otherwise. For a moment, his eyes, so dark they are almost black, 
flick to the wire-bound paper in her hands, and comprehension seems to find him. Oh, you mean you write stories? To her, it is the same thing. She gives stories, gives histories, to the aluminum can, the broken toy, the empty package of cigarettes, and she archives it in her pages. She finds broken, abandoned things and brings them purpose. This boy in front of her doesn't understand, though. She can tell. She doesn't offer to enlighten him. He kicks his feet out and leans into the slatted back casually, looking out over the playground. This close, she can see a dusting of freckles over his nose and cheeks. For a moment, she thinks she spots a constellation perched just below his eye, but he moves, facing her, before she can recognize it. Will you read me one? Frowning, she looks at the half-filled page on her lap and tries to ignore the feeling of his stare. I don't know if they want to be told. Shaking his head, his lips pull into a lopsided smile. When he looks at her, she swears she can see laughter warming the depths of his dark eyes. What's the point in writing stories if you're never going to share them? She hesitates, eyeing the boy carefully. Is it selfish to paint a picture only for herself? Maybe, but she thinks it is rude of him to cry. I don't think they are the sort of stories you like. It is not a lie, but it is not the truth either. Mostly, she doesn't feel comfortable sharing her words with a stranger. It feels too much like sharing herself. He shrugs, unfazed. Guess we won't know unless you decide to read one. She considers this carefully. He is right, of course, but she doesn't particularly care to know his thoughts. When he doesn't comment further, she hovers the tip of her pen above the empty line. Regaining focus is hard. She tries to ignore the boy beside her, but it is a struggle. Every other sentence that flows from her pen is interrupted by the noises he makes. The whisper of his jacket as he adjusts his posture, the tapping of his thumb against the screen of his phone, the occasional tired yawn. He is a constant distraction, and it takes longer than it should to finish her story. When she places the final punctuation, she worries that she has not done the little cardboard box justice. He must notice the stillness of her hand, because he looks up from his phone curiously. All done? Nodding, she carefully closes the cover, tucking in the inked words as if they were children. Her fingers run along a wide crease in the corner, a scar from a time before it was hers. Yes. The stars on the horizon are beginning to fade, blinking out like candles set too close to an open window. When she stands, she is momentarily struck by how strange it is to see someone else sitting at her bench. She shifts her weight, mindful of his open stare. Not knowing how best to remove herself, she echoes his earlier words back to him. Goodbye. As an afterthought, she gives a small wave, similar to the one he gave her, before briskly turning down her familiar path. Whoa, wait! He reaches out to her, fingertips brushing, burning, against her wrist before he catches himself, hand retreating into the confines of his pocket. The smile he gives is tight, apologetic. Sorry, I just... I never asked your name. Her name? She thinks of her rows of notebooks, neatly organized from oldest to newest, the one at the very beginning, pink with red splotches that look like stains, 
has a name on the cover. Lily. The moment it leaves her lips, she is sure she is right. Above them, the lamp hums, and somehow the artificial light makes his dimpled smile look even brighter. Hi, Lily. I'm Sam. Sam. His name sounds like summer and brings fragmented images of carefree days splashing in cool lake waters with the warmth of the sun on her shoulders. It suits him. His free hand gestures to the surrounding park, shifting nervously. You sure you don't want me to call you a ride or a friend? Someone to pick you up? Shaking her head, she holds her notebook closer to her chest. No. Then recalling an etiquette she has long since had the opportunity to use, she adds, Thank you. The words are rusty, but they feel right. He seems uncomfortable by her refusal. Maybe I could walk with you then? At least part way? Do you live close by? She does not know what his definition of close is, but she's certain where she is going does not fit that description. Even if it did, she would not allow him to follow her there. Pensively, she mulls over the best words to give him. I walk alone, she offers, hoping it is enough. She does not understand why he wishes to accompany her. Anxiously, he removes his hat and runs a hand through his hair, fingers separating the curls. You sure? When she nods, he mirrors the gesture, albeit hesitantly. Okay, well, I live in that building there. He points to the tall, brick-clad apartment down the way, across the street from where her little path joins the sidewalk. Maybe I could at least walk you that far? She can't think of any reason to say no, so she doesn't. Her chin dips in the tiniest of nods before allowing her feet to follow the familiar path without waiting for a response. Sam must have seen it, though, because he quickly catches up to her. His long strides only slowing once they are side by side. He is quiet while they walk. The only sound between them is the steady, rhythmic drumming of their souls against the packed earth. When they reach the sidewalk, they both hesitate. This is my stop. The content expression he wears briefly hardens. Stay safe, okay? I will. It is an easy thing to agree to. Goodbye. The wave he gives her this time is more familiar, lightened by a lack of awkwardness that had been present before. See ya. It is an odd salutation, one she finds for perplexing, but she doesn't have time to question it. Her friends in the sky are fading one by one, hiding from the threat of sunlight on the horizon. They urge her to do the same. A few steps and his voice stops her. Hey, Lily? When she looks over her shoulder, the tilt of his lips is soft. It was nice meeting you. There is an honesty in his expression, a kindness that she isn't used to. Her fingers pluck anxiously at the spiral, spiraled wire of her notebook, unsure of how to interpret the phantom warmth blooming in her chest. It was nice to meet you too, she responds softly. Even though she is merely mimicking his sentiments, the words ring with a shadow of truth. Well, I hope you liked chapter one of Everlong by R. Rada. I think it's going to be a really sweet story. And eventually, once my TBR maybe forgives me a little bit, I will have to pick this book up and check it out. It definitely seems like it's going to be 
really sweet. Um, that's really the only word I can think to describe it. I do have some discussion questions on my website. I hope you go over there and check it out and, uh, get involved in the discussion about this chapter one. And I also hope you get to go buy this book and support this amazing author. The links to both will be in the show notes, but until next week, I'm done. I'll see you later. Bye, everybody.